Time now for the quote of the week, and it's a long one, by former CIA ops officer Brian Dean Wright. He's talking about the fallout from the Afghanistan debacle. And you know what? When I read it, I absolutely found it chilling. In quotes, former U.S. intelligence colleagues are angry and deeply worried about what's happened in Afghanistan. Here's what I'm hearing and why there's nearly universal belief that America and the world are in for one of the most dangerous, unpredictable times in modern history. Afghanistan has shown the world, enemies and allies alike, that our military and intel assets are largely irrelevant because we can't deploy them successfully. The blame lays at the feet of multiple presidents, the generals, the spies, the Congress. America's elites are trash. China knows it, and they will become emboldened, covertly and overtly. War over Taiwan and contested islands in the South China Sea and the East China Sea is now more likely. Russia will consider similar covert and overt moves focused on Crimea and former Soviet satellites. The fear is that China and Russia will act in concert. Why? America was whipped by a tiny rebel force and couldn't even retreat properly. Meanwhile, the American people are angry, COVID-weary, and divided. If there was ever a time to push American hegemony aside, this is it. If Cold War III grows hot, America will need to quickly build up and work with foreign counterparts. But who will trust America after Afghanistan? Who believes us when we say the leadership, we have the leadership to use our military might well? Who will trust us when we say we shall stand with you? Beyond China and Russia, others will take gambles too. Terror organizations like Al-Qaeda and ISIS are degraded but not dead. Their ideology is very much alive. As Rand Hezbollah, with terror cells throughout the U.S., may see an opening to create chaos. Meanwhile, the disaster inside Afghanistan is only just beginning. The Taliban will launch a terror campaign against American collaborators. The pictures will shock the conscience of the world, further degrading American moral authority. Biden and company will struggle to respond. And there's also the nightmare, the nightmare of tactical weaponry, now awash in Afghanistan, in the hands of the Taliban, and soon on the global back market. These arms will fuel chaos around the world for decades. As I said, it absolutely scared the dickens out of me. First, time for my shocking stat. And it's a brief one, but it's shocking nonetheless. As I mentioned earlier in the quote a week, the debacle in Afghanistan, well, it's a huge international issue. It dominates the U.S. media. So as I said, this is brief, but as Fox News reports, the Taliban has seized an estimated 80 billion U.S. and U.S. dollars, 80 billion dollars worth of U.S. military equipment and arms after they've taken over Afghanistan. 80 billion. That's about five times the entire Canadian military operations. And as I quoted earlier, no one knows where that is. It's going to make its way onto the black market. It's going to fuel mayhem throughout the world. What a shocking stat. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. You know, I had to smile, or maybe I should have cried, when I read that Facebook is named CBC as fact checker for the federal election. I mean, seriously. The network that ran, count, ran countless stories on the completely fabricated Russiagate story. Joining, of course, media outlets though throughout North America, abandoning long-standing journalistic standards in a highly partisan effort to derail the Trump presidency. I remember vividly national anchor 
Peter Mansbridge staring into the camera, declaring that highly reliable sources had verified the most salacious details of what's called the Steele dossier, a document produced at the behest and financial backing of the Clinton campaign. The document contains such outrageous claims that any objective observer would have questioned its content and origin. I bring that aspect up because so few in the media have or seem to understand the degree to which that undermines trust in the entire industry, and that continues to erode. The CBC made things far worse, though, by launching a lawsuit against the Conservative Party in the midst of the 2019 campaign, a suit that every expert said was a loser, and they were right. They lost the the court case. But not before torpedoing its already flimsy claim of nonpartisanship. As McLean's senior political commentator, Paul Wells, calls him the government's most expensive PR firm. You know, after it's funny, after watching the CBC's Rosemary Barton exclusive interview with Canada's chief health officer, Theresa Tom, former BC NDP Premier Ujjal Josange tweeted, such softball interviews do make people wonder about the journalistic independence of the CBC. Well, with all due respect to the former Premier, I don't think anybody's wondering, especially with the CBC's two biggest unions registering with Elections Canada to officially oppose the Conservatives. I'm not talking about whether you want to support one party or not, but when people start perceiving it is not a level playing field, that erodes confidence in the entire system. And that is the biggest theme that you are going to be dealing with over the next 10 years. You've been seeing it play out so blatantly in Europe, although underreported. What do you think the massive protests are about? Lack of confidence in government. What do you think the Trump presidency was about or his election? But obviously, the CBC's reputation doesn't bother Facebook a bit. And that's actually the point. (laughs) Facebook joins much of the mainstream media in promoting the government's line because when it comes to the pandemic especially, so much of the coverage is predicated, I think, on a very unhealthy, no questions allowed approach. I mean, the no questions allowed when it comes to major issues of the day actually tops my list of concerns for Canada. And it extends far past the COVID coverage. I mean, when the healthcare system ranks 10th out of 11 countries in the latest Commonwealth Fund survey of 11 wealthy countries, that should beg a heck of a lot of questions, especially given the massive spending. And the fact that before the pandemic, 50 to 60,000 Canadians a year were forced to leave the country in order to get timely treatment. That should have begged a few questions. We've had two Supreme Court rulings saying that, the, that Canadians are suffering needlessly waiting for, que- uh, waiting for treatment. But no questions. It's not just healthcare, though. It's public education. It's huge amounts of money wasted on climate change. It's the billions in waste in executing government programs, as outlined in numerous Auditor General's reports. No questions on our actions taken to fight climate change, despite the fact that the government and no other political party has anything approaching a workable plan to obtain the raw materials necessary to transition to renewable energy. This is the last Money Talks episode on radio. My goofy is how did we permit, ignore, the no questions allowed attitude to take hold. Well, I'm not afraid to ask questions, which is why I'm going to continue to podcast Money Talks on money, Mike's MikesMoneyTalks.ca, Michael Campbell's Money Talks on Facebook, and Money Talks Tweet. Just go to MikesMoneyTalks.ca, click on and sign up for the free e-bulletin. We'll keep you informed. In the meantime, 
let me say thank you to Chorus Radio, and I wish them well in their new direction. And to the people I've worked with over the years, especially the technical producers like Phil, Phil Figueredo, a big thank you. And lastly, to you, the audience. Obviously, without your support, Money Talks would never have been the top-rated show in the country on finances. For that matter, it's a top-rated show in every time in the time slot and every station it's aired for so many years. A sincere, heartfelt thank you.